VHS files contain spoilers, adult content, and harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. It's showtime. Welcome to the VHS Files Podcast with Jenny Lou. So what do you want to do tonight? Jason. What about pizza and movie night? Eric. I want to rent a movie. And Josh. I want to go to a good video store so I can get a good movie. And this is the movie of the week. Let's get this pizza movie night started. Welcome back to the VHS Files podcast. Hello. Hello, everyone. The podcast where we watch movies and make memories. <laughs> Are we make memories and watch movies? Either or. or gonna- How's everybody doing? It's been a week since we've talked to each other. It's been a whole week. I thought it was yesterday. No. Has it been long it's been enough? a whole week. All right. Well, Come we're on, just going to get right into it. Yeah. Tonight, Man, nothing. God, Eric and Jimmy are just like, what? I don't know. I thought Josh would kick us in and I'm just waiting. Uh, I don't know. So what yeah, are we I doing had a today? Fine... Oh, God. No, no, no. You don't get to now. <laughs> Your time is over. It has passed. We are done with you. You redheaded stepchild. Move on. <laughs> Yeah, I had a great week, Josh. Great week. Excited to talk about this movie. Are we? Are we excited to talk about this movie? Jenny, are you excited to talk I about this movie? I am super excited to talk about this movie. Jason, are you excited to talk about this movie? Well, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready. All I'm right. Probably, I might hurt some feelings by the end of this, but I'll be all right. All right. Well, this is going to be an interesting one to get into. That's, that's kind of where I'm coming from on this one as well. So this week... On the movie of the week. The movie of the week. What is the secret of this enchanted book? What wonders are hidden within its pages? What magical spell does it cast on all who read it? What is the secret of the never-ending story? You will enter a world where a young boy's imagination becomes a vivid reality. The world of Atreyu and Artax, the Rockbiter, and the good and kind gnome. A world that is vast and eternal, treacherous and dazzling, unforgettable and free. For anyone who's ever made a wish, believed in a fantasy, or had a dream, this is The NeverEnding Story. Let me put my finger in my ear and hit the Mariah Carey. That is a jam, though. I mean, that's a a jam. It is. As far as songs written for movies, that's got to be one of the best. Does that that song like ever hit the Billboard charts? Do we know that? I didn't look that up. No. You know, because you know the whole Ghostbusters song did. I just I don't wonder if that one actually made the charts because it sticks in your head and it does not go away. Well, it is no Ghostbusters. I will say that. 
Oh, definitely not. It's no Ray Parker, but it st- definitely sticks in your head, and it's hard to make go away. Uh, it reached the – its peak position was 17th on the Billboard Hot 100. So, yeah. It, wow. Oh, right. it, it was something. Hey. Well, I did not did. know that. It, it did so not seem to be says. that popular of a song in my neck of the woods. but I was two. I don't recall. <laughs> well, I mean, this is a movie that's going to be part of – any 80s baby's childhood, so... Definitely. Um, but I'm sure we have a lot to say about it, but I haven't watched it since... I mean, it's been quite some time since we've watched it yeah, last. Yeah, it's been a few years, for sure. Um, but anyway, Neverending Story, uh, released July 20th, 1984, directed by Wolfgang Peterson, who was a German filmmaker and had done quite a few German movies and notably had done uh, Das Boot before doing the never-ending story, um, which is a war wow. film that I've never seen, so I can't really say too much about it. After never-ending story, though, he would go on to do uh, movies like Enemy Mine um, with Dennis Quaid, and uh, was it Lou Gossett Jr. in that one? Yeah, Louis Gossett Jr., yep. And uh, I remember seeing that one as a kid. I It's been a long time. I'd like to watch that one and actually talk about it on the show sometime. Um, also did In the Line of Fire with uh, Clint Eastwood, Outbreak, Air Force One, and more more modern, uh, he did Troy with Brad Pitt and Eric Bana. So oh, that movie too. It's I, I don't think I've se- I've seen it like one time. I think I don't think I've ever re- went back and it's rewatched kind of a it. strange. It's kind of a strange filmography for a director. It is, and and, and really hearing the name, it. I th- I thought like, oh, surely that guy's directed some other stuff that I've been really keen on. But going through the list, I was like, well, the only thing that really I noticed was enemy mine. So I never really saw air force one. I'm sure I've seen it, but I don't remember anything about it. I remember seeing outbreak when I was younger, but don't remember anything about it either. Everybody's watching that movie right now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're living in outbreak. I I bet you that movie on like Netflix that is out has been viewed way more than it had the 10 or 15 years prior. That and contagion. Yeah. Yeah, Which contagion is a way better movie. (laughs) Way better. (laughs) Um, so the, this uh, never-ending story uh, on a budget of 25 to 27, somewhere in there, million, came in with a box office of, who wants to take a guess? Jason. Nobody did their homework? Jesus, people. Made a whopping $100 million. $100 million. Yes, it did. So I Pop guess in. you could say it was a success. And to the kids of 1984 and probably the five years, 10 years, 12 years after that, um, it would continue to be something very big for for children. So um, definitely a success. It was released amongst the likes of, well, this could help its success, actually. Um, released amongst the likes of Supergirl. Oh, my God. The Last Starfighter, mm-hmm. Revenge of the Nerds, and Purple Rain. Ooh, so, I don't know. The last three or four there, the, uh, those are pretty good movies. Well, Revenge Not of the Nerds. Off. Is Revenge of the Nerds a good movie? I love that movie. I don't <laughs> care. It's fart jokes. You know burps. what, dude? I love that movie, too, but it is highly problematic right now. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, um, Definitely, it, I'm definitely not saying it won't be talked about on this show at some time because it's one like again we talk about movies that we shouldn't have been watching as kids. I watched Revenge of the Nerds all the time when I was a kid. Yeah, so. you got Revenge of the Nerds, Porky's, all those type movies. I've seen them all when I was a kid. But you know. 
Thanks, Mom. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But that's where we are as far as movies go in 1984. Eric, why don't you take us back in time and tell us what else was going on? We're sending you back in time. (gasps) Whoa, this is heavy. Well, Josh, in 1984, the PG-13 rating for movies is added to the rating classes uh, by the Motion Picture Association of America. The first movie to carry the rating was, any guesses? Uh, Temple of Doom? No, Red Dawn. Uh, Michael Jordan released his Nike Air Jordan sneakers. Interesting note here. Do you guys know what they call Air Jordans in Norway? No. No. Air Fjordans. <laughs> Air Fjordans. Yep. I love it. It's true. Uh, pop singer Michael Jackson moonwalks for the first time in a performance for the MTV uh, Awards. Amazing. Did anyone hear about the man who could moonwalk on water? His name was Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Did he just do that? Wow. 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 I don't that, know that if was... you're ever going to top that one there, buddy. <laughs> And finally, the Federal Commission, uh, Communications Commission eliminated a regulation that banned program-length advertisements. Uh, this led to the creation of infomercials. Uh, here's an interesting commercial I found from 1984. Hit it, Josh. I've tried fad diets, powders, pills. Still, my weight's been up and down like a yo-yo until the AIDS plan taught me how to take off weight and help keep it off. AIDS may taste like a candy, but AIDS contains one of the most effective appetite suppressants you can buy, and there's no stimulant in AIDS that could make you nervous. With AIDS, I ate less, so the weight came off. To help keep it off when I sometimes want things loaded with calories, AIDS helps put me in control. Let the AIDS plan teach you how to take off weight and help keep it off. Try peanut butter AIDS. Try peanut butter AIDS. You've never seen that before? <laughs> I had seen that before, actually. <laughs> if anybody shit. could see this right now, you should see Jenny's face at the end of the Jenny that cannot believe what she just saw and watched <laughs> and listened to. This was just about the time that the AIDS breakout sort of hit. So uh, I think they yeah. might have pulled that from the shelves. Timing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we're talking. I want to talk about problematic things nowadays. Wow, that's a sensitive subject. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's get into the never-ending story. <laughs> let's go ahead and run down the line, and we're gonna start with the um, the one who was most excited about this this week, Jenny. She's gonna kick it off. Give us the the background. I mean, I definitely saw this. Uh, all the time as a kid. I think this is one of the movies that uh, my mom really liked to watch with me. Like, she actually enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And I hold this movie up there with, like, Goonies, Princess Bride. Right. Like, all of my top childhood movies. Like, this is up there. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And what was it about this movie? Like, can you, like kind of get into like what it was that, I mean, obviously we'll get into it when we talk about the movie, but is there one thing in particular that was like this movie, like what brought you back to it all the time? I really like fantasy. Mm -hmm. And I think that besides like star Wars, which is sci-fi fantasy. Right. uh, This was probably my first like toe dip into the genre. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was just so 
fantastical and larger than life and, you know, odd and filled with creatures that you never see. And, you know, it just all of it together made this like, I don't know, this world that you wanted to keep visiting. Yeah. It's kind of a love letter to fantasy, Mm -hmm. really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we definitely get into that in the movie, but just like the childlike wonder and using your imagination and, Mm -hmm. you know, especially for someone like you who reads a lot as well, like Mm -hmm. I'm sure you kind of are pulling from what they're going for in in this movie as well. What about you guys? Did you guys have anything in particular? Uh, Yeah, I... I mean, this was a big favorite of mine as well, Jenny. As a kid, I always wanted to rent this movie. Um, definitely rented it many times. Always loved it. I don't feel like it's um, aged well. Like, I don't... I can still watch Princess Bride and enjoy it just as much as I did when I was a kid. I don't feel like this one has gone with me as an adult viewer as well. Right. But um, it definitely is a part of my childhood and... Um, yeah, I mean, we'll get into it, but see, I felt the exact it. opposite. Like for me, <laughs> really, you don't like it's still, you know, wonder. It's still the magic. And, yeah, it's it, got the magic. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's moments that I still cherish, for sure. How about you, Jason? Oh, I didn't see this in the theater, even though I'm the oldest person here, and I was like seven when it came out. But it was definitely a rental. Uh, I do remember my mom liked this movie, so we watched it. We would do like Jenny said, me and my mom would sit back and watch it with my brother and uh, I think my sister at that point. But uh, I do have a question while we're talking about it. Did Jenny, did you ever read the books? No. Okay. I didn't know if you were the fan, you know, you've seen the movie as a kid, but then as an adult, did you go back and read I the never books have. Like mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, as far as the, the movie to me, I enjoyed it as a kid. Uh, I have not watched it in a while uh, till we did it for doing it for this uh, episode. But, uh, yeah, some feelings that we'll get into later about the movie. Uh, I'm, like I said, I remember some definitely scarring childhood moments from this movie. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. stuff like that. But as an adult, it definitely hit me different. So but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing that I come back to with this movie is there's a lot of movies you like because of certain key scenes and like that sense of wonder and, and, and whatnot. But this movie has always been like, there are well one main scene that stuck with me and it's not a happy scene. So it's always been one of those darker sort of child movies mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. And uh, it's one of those that's always made me not really want to go back to it because of that. So I think that's really what kind of gets it for me. But I remember watching it all the time as a kid. And I mean, how can you not love Falcor and the puppet stuff oh. going on in here? And um, I mean, I love Falcor. He will always be special to me. But we watched this movie this time with some younger folks, uh, our friend Rachel <laughs> and Chris, uh, and their children who had never seen it. And um they watching them watch it they were and they're one of them's 15 and one of them's 13 Mm -hmm. so they're teenagers now so they don't have that childlike attachment to to that kind of stuff but like one of the first comments we got while going into the movie is the opening with 
clouds and there are just clouds on the screen for like five minutes while the never ending story <laughs> song is going on. And Raina was like, God, more clouds. <laughs> like that's what she was picking up on as we started watching this movie. And then it cuts to something. I don't remember what, but then it cuts to another shot of clouds later. And she's like, Oh God, the clouds again. <laughs> What's with all the clouds. Yeah. But I don't know if it's iconic is the word, but I mean it's an it's a it's a really cool opening. It's yeah. something that draws you right in. Ultimately, this movie does just kind of like we eventually get to our happy place in this movie, but it starts off somber and it kind of remains somber throughout the entire movie. I don't know, like watching it this time, I just kind of felt that from the beginning, um, and, and going into where we go and 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 the story unfolding, it just kind of continues to be this just sort of very like depressing <laughs> sort of journey. Yeah. I mean, the story's kind of a bummer, you know? So it, it, it kind of baffles me that we found such amazement in it as kids. Like, and I'm not trying to make that sound bad. Like that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's like, I, I'm, I'm really kind of perplexed by the fact that we found this movie so endearing when it's so dark. I think it's because of the message at the end. Yeah. Because it does Maybe. leave you with a positive feeling. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one... Things just get worse and worse, basically, from the beginning of the movie until the end. I mean, it's, it's basically one failure after another. Yeah. yeah. There's a couple moments, uh, you know, of success, temporary success, but... By and large, it's yeah, it's things things are escalating throughout the thing, and it, right. it's getting worse. The problem's getting worse. I mean, for instance, we start the movie with you know we're, we're introduced to Bastion and his dad having breakfast. Now, I usually it takes me a few minutes to get into video clips when we start talking about movies, but I actually have a clip here that I want to play for everybody. And we were watching this, and this scene came on, and you know. It's Sebastian trying to open a jelly jar and his dad's in the background getting breakfast ready. Did anybody while watching this watch the dad while while this scene was going on? Do you mean his egg and orange juice smoothie? <laughs> yeah. Raw egg and orange juice smoothie? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Now, when we say we watch this with kids, I don't know how I never noticed it as a kid myself, but this was the first thing all of us picked up on. Crack egg into the orange juice to blend with, okay, so it was the 80s, I get it. Um, I'm not going to say dad was on cocaine or anything like that, but what the fuck? I've that, never seen. That was like a thing in the 80s, like yeah. drinking raw, raw eggs. Egg thing. Yeah. It makes Actually, me think of Rocky, right? Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, it started with Rocky, Rocky eating the raw eggs. I But it's one thing just down in a few raw eggs is like a quick protein bump. Right. Like people do that. Blend it. Dirty a blender? You're going to dirty a blender <laughs> for that? He can't handle it uh, straight. He's got to. Yeah, he's no Rocky. <laughs> and he's not a very good father either. Oh, my God. <laughs> what we didn't notice is him pouring the vodka in the orange juice. Right, they cut that he part added out. the egg. That's what it is. He is a terrible father. Yeah, this kid just starts... Everything he says is awful. Yeah. He and gets shit on This is the saddest scene in the film, in my opinion. It, it's pretty Right bad. off the bat. Like, I mean, he's lost his mother and his dad is not supporting him at all. No, Mm-mm. He's like, he is brutal. Get he, over he it. Brutal. Take some responsibility. He was yeah. 
Alfred giving Stop Bruce the speech, you know, what do we do when we fall? We get up like, <laughs> but with no, <laughs> like my note actually for this, when this scene played out, by the time he was done talking to Bastion was bitch, my mom just died. Like get off me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a well, little, it's like, Hey, I know your mom died. Suck it up. Tighten your bootstraps and you march on. Yep. That's almost how he's kind of telling him, you know, I mean, that guy went on to do a lot of TV and some movies. He was in the 18 movie and stuff like that, but. That's almost how it feels like a, a military dad talking to his son. Don't yeah. have feelings. Like, sorry. Time to move on. Let's get it over with. Yep. Get your head out of the clouds. I'm going to down this uh, screwdriver egg uh, thing I just made up here in the back, and then I'm going to work. Just get a frying pan. Cook up an egg, man. Just yeah. cook up an egg. <laughs> it takes five minutes, really. Just kick it on, cook an egg, eat it. Yeah. You don't need to mix it with your orange juice. You're not saving any time. <laughs> Cleaning that blender is going to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> so what, you know, what what we got out of this scene wasn't that Bastion was grieving over his mom or anything like that. It was what the fuck did he just put in that orange juice? We sat there and talked about it while the whole scene was going on. So it's weird that that's happening in the background. And then like, obviously I know what the storyline is and how it goes, but like, especially for someone watching it for the first time to be caught up in that was kind of funny. Yeah. I think it's so funny in the same scene. He's so you know, get it over with and take care of yourself. Did you even notice also part of the scene that he's making his son put butter on a piece of uncooked bread? It's not even toast. He <laughs> didn't even toast it for him. He's trying to smear butter on regular bread. And it's like, just, you should be able to do that yourself the- by now, boy, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and toast your own bread. <laughs> Drop and give me 20 <laughs> head out the door. <laughs> Drink your egg. And and I mean, when we find out, like, he doesn't need this at home because he's got a group of kids that are dicks chasing him around, calling him the weirdo. I know. These now, listen, kids are these terrible. kids bully him. His dad bullies him, too. Right. right. I mean, this kid is getting bullied from he's every He's getting direction. it from all sides. Yep. He's got no, there's no, well, except for, like, the, the school closet or whatever that place is that he finds. The attic. attic. Yeah, the attic. attic. We'll call it the attic, since it is. <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to call it the attic because it is that's fine yeah yep. considering it said on the thing attic no we'll call it the cave of wonders <laughs> so wrong movie being, he has you know he has no support this poor kid no he's a sad individual yeah which is why i have a theory that well all right eric's got the theory it. this week let's I, I've got a theory. uh this entire movie you could take it as bastion is having a mental break like a psychotic break and reality is basically crumbling around him yeah (laughs) you know in the end when he's flying the luck dragon through the city he's just drooling on the floor of the attic at the school (laughs) (laughs) no it's actually him at the age of 17 in a straight jacket in a padded room (laughs) you know and he's trying to relive his happy moments of when he thought he was flying on falcon yeah actually that's that's why it's actually the ending of this movie is the ending of the new joker movie with with joaquin phoenix joaquin phoenix is actually bastion's character (laughs) no (laughs) oh no man oh god what if he's like dead and this is like his journey into the afterlife like you I thought my idea was dark, and Jenny decided to take it a few steps darker. That's an interesting take on it, too, though. Like, when he gets in the dumpster, he, like, breaks his neck. And, like, wow. And then he's... Dang! <laughs> Jenny went dark. Dead Holy in the dumpster. Yeah. 
But he's dead in a dumpster. And nobody ever you... finds him because he gets taken out with the trash, which kind of ties back into the fact that nobody's fucking looking for this child. No. <laughs> No, it's true. No one cares. He's gone all day. No one Even cares. when he's at school, no one's looking for him. Like, Not calling his dad, hey, uh, Bash is not in class today. I guess arguably they could be. We're just not privy to it. Right. You would think at some point in the movie there would be like, he saw the flashlights coming into the school, so he like hid from them or something because the cops are coming to look to see if any kid got locked in the school. Right. You Jenny. Know. Jenny, the nothing could just be death yeah. looming yeah. as he slowly dies in the dumpster. <gasps> <Whoa>. <laughs> wow. This movie's taking a whole different... <laughs> now I want to watch this movie again. <laughs> I love it. So... I. I, I'm actually going to have a hard time separating that theory from this as we talk about it more <laughs> now. But um, so he dodges the kids into the bookstore and meets this another guy who's not very nice to him. But I like that you can tell that he's baiting Bastion, mm-hmm. you know, Mr. Yeah. Coriander. Yeah. Which, I mean, he's creepy. I remember watching this as a kid and that that dude freaked me out. Like he's yeah. he's kind of a creepy, mean just old guy. Crotchety but, old man. Yeah. And at this point, you're really worrying for Bastion because everywhere he goes, people treat him like shit. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, the, the, the bookkeeper, bookkeeper, bookstore owner, what's his Mr. name? Coriander. Carl Conrad Coriander, by the way. Also, Bastion has like a 3B name as well. It's like Bastion, B word, B word. Huh. Um, but yeah, Carl Conrad Coriander, the bookstore owner. I'm just looking at IMDb. I don't actually know this stuff, guys. Um <laughs> But uh, he has an interesting line about, you know, some books are safe books. Right. And some books, you know, can change you or whatever. Uh, that's an interesting line. Because, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, that's actually kind of true. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you could read certain books that really challenge your reality. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Don't open the Necronomicon. I mean, yeah, that's, or, that's not a know, safe book. Whatever. Like, bad books. <laughs> uh, you know, religious books. Yeah. Uh, philosophy books uh political books things like that can really can really send somebody in a certain direction you know Mm -hmm. change their direction so that's kind of an interesting kind of an interesting deep line dropped in the middle of a kid's movie yeah and and it got me thinking about like how this movie kind of sets up sort of like taboos for when you're a child too of like you know you're not supposed to read that book or you're not supposed to watch that movie or or listen to those songs or whatever like and, and, and this guy, this whole scene is a really good allegory for, like, you know, the whole bait and switch with that sort of thing. Like, oh, no, you shouldn't be reading this. But what are you going to gain from accepting this or reading this or listening or whatever it is? Like, yeah, I mean, it may have a bad thing, you know, a bad thing around it. But ultimately, you're going to gain more knowledge from being able to have access to it than being denied mm-hmm. it, you know. So I, I found it pretty interesting that it kind of plays with that whole theme of taboo and that sort of stuff kind of early on in the in the movie here. Also, um, the old guy's commentary on youth kind of forgetting about books and reading and playing video games instead is even more relevant today than sure, it was yeah. when oh, this movie yeah. was made. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 84. Oh. I mean, give, mm-hmm. yeah, this guy would hate to see yeah. uh, children of, right. of nowadays. 
for sure. But he wouldn't have to because his bookstore would have gone under long ago. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. Oh. There wasn't much organization to that bookstore either. Like if I were in there, I don't know if I'd be happy looking for a book in there. <laughs> kind of reminded me of the girls going into the bookstore in the craft a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, again, I mean, how many it's scenes like do you have? It's like every movie bookstore. Yeah. yeah. Like with Typical every movie, movie bookstore is completely like unorganized for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they always find the book they're looking for. But I like that Matt, uh, Bastion mentions he's got 186 books at home and they're all, you know, nice, you know, Literary Classics. stuff, and he, you know, he yeah. tries to slam him for having comic books and all that, which is pretty what, shitty. What's wrong with comic books? Yeah. Come on, yeah. like, there's well, some. Was, come on, Carl. There's some very good storytelling in comics, and you get pictures along with them. Yeah, beautiful art, <laughs> especially in the '80s. You start to get some really good uh, comic stories. Yeah, yeah. I took a, I took a, a, a lot of offense to that line. I'm like, dude, here I am with like thousands of comics in my house. And I'm like, man, what are you talking about? These are great stories. They have I've got 180 comic books. <laughs> yeah, they're like they have meanings and things about the world told in a different way and life lessons. But it Jason just is to have pictures. But Jason is the actual person this guy was talking about in there because Jason does not read books at all. He only reads comic books. <laughs> yeah, I true. I don't read books. I like pictures. I've probably I like it's a funny pictures. I can I could I mean I've probably read more comic books than actual books in my life as well. So I have nothing <laughs> I'm just as guilty as Jason is. Uh, if if it didn't say Edgar Allan Poe on the cover, I probably did not read it. <laughs> so that's about as close to the books and libraries Jason ever got. I read like, I've read some Stephen King, yet? some R.L. Stein. Remember R.L. Stein was like what you read when you were younger in school and whatnot. I don't remember anything yeah. about those stories, but I remember reading a lot of R.L. Stein. Here's a question. Do you think that the bookstore owner entered the world of Fantasia as well? Oh. Do you think that he had his own experience with Fantasia? Maybe. Well, that's what I think is interesting story. about this movie and this story is like this story is about whoever's reading it. Like it's mm-hmm. not, it's not, you know, that's kind of, we're really jumping ahead here, but we'll get into that later. But yes, I, you bring up a very good point, Eric with that um and do you think he lived infinite years having his own uh making his own wishes and and finally his final wish was to share that experience with well the book the book the bookstore owner's story is actually inception that's what it is i mean (laughs) (laughs) insert i gotta gotta bring up christopher nolan somewhere in this (laughs) Apparently, this movie only covers half of the book, too. So maybe some of these questions we're asking are answered in the in the book. But and, and did you also know that the author hated the movie? Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, it's Stephen King with The Shining. <laughs> it's a lot of authors, honestly. <laughs> he did. Yeah. He did, he did not like the movie at all. Yeah, I mean I that that's interesting when you talk about these particular art forms like film and literature. Is you know how you know the two mediums complement one another but also really kind of bring one another down in the same sense you know Mm -hmm. because as good as the shining is you're not getting everything from the movie the shining that you would be getting from the stephen king novel it's like that with any book in any movie that's made about that book you know Mm um yeah i mean it it has to be adapted to the medium yeah i mean we've just experienced it you lose things you gain things we've experienced it with game of thrones and how everybody's pissed off about the changes they made there and the fact that the books aren't even done and they finished the, the TV show yeah. and all that kind of shit. But. Dude, I feel about that with comic book movies and I'm still upset about Venom. <laughs> so, I mean, 
relate back to comic books because Jason don't read books. <laughs> you know, I, I'm upset about many things. Spider-Man's not the way he was in the comic. Venom wasn't either, but hey, it is what it is. We get what we get. So the director yeah. does what is in his mind's eye. Yeah. So. Well, I, I mean, that one day we'll get what we want. Go ahead. I, I thought that this book was the coolest book in the world. With the like, uh, emblem on with the, the top orange oh, on the outside, the and like just when he hands it over, I'm just like, or he like sees it and and takes it. I'm just like, oh, like that's the kind of book that I wanted to read, you know. I might have read more books if books looked like that in the library because I was like, that's fucking cool. <laughs> or the Necronomicon. <laughs> yeah, or the Necronomicon. I'd read more books if it would suck me into another world. Yeah, exactly. I'd read more books if I could ride a luck dragon. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. books do take you to another world. Okay. But I would have opened it and, and would have went, where's all the pictures? Oh, uh, fuck this. <laughs> hey, so you guys mentioned, Jason just mentioned The Shining a few minutes ago. Did Bastion give you uh, vibes of, of Danny from The Shining at all? <laughs> just visually? I don't know. When he's walking around like the hallways and stuff. I can see why you would say he definitely that. has the Shining. look, the haircut I didn't get that. and everything. You wouldn't. I, I definitely see that. <laughs> well, he's obviously been sneaking away to this attic before. I mean, he knows exactly where the key is. He knows. I mean, mm -hmm. what what's funny about this is he knows the keys there. He goes in the attic, but when he gets up there, he looks at it with this wonder like yeah. he's never seen it before, but it's like, okay, so are, do you normally come here or are you not familiar with this place? It was a little weird. I think but. they're pausing for our wonder. Yeah. Oh, the attic. It's cool. I thought it was so cool when I was little. Or did he just escape behind the door? You know, because he was always running from somebody. Did he just go behind the door and hide there? But this time he went all the way into the attic. Uh, who knows? Because he saw that math test and he peaced out. I'd be yeah, doing the same a, thing. Math's not my strong suit. No equations today. <laughs> that was a trigonometry test. I would have left. He's probably like 10, so. Probably not in trig yet. <laughs> Shoot. They, I thought they taught that in elementary school nowadays. No. They don't. But, yeah, we get up there. He pulls out the gym mat. Like, that's the thing. Like, you'd think he'd been up there. He walks right over and pulls that old gym mat out. Yeah. Old gym mat. Which, and he's getting ready to sit and chill. Hey, I'm going to freaking dive in this book. Mm -hmm. And then. I like how he starts, and then it just flows right into, you know, like if you're reading a book or a comic book, you just kind of go into the world. I mean, here's what I'll get where I'll get into my next thing about this movie is this is a very weirdly paced, well, maybe not paced, but it's a very weirdly structured story. Maybe maybe we'll talk more about this when we get to the end of it, but it's like this thing just starts and you're thrown into this world. Well, I have yeah. some notes about this, Josh, that I'll say now that I'm about to say. Well, why don't you say them turd happily? I'm about to say, say what you're going like to say. More like turd crappily. <laughs> now? Are you doing it now? Yeah, so right some now? of the structure that, uh, that you, I think you're talking about, maybe the storytelling is very basic, and it, there's almost inside, particularly inside Fantasia, there's this shorthand, I guess you would call it. It almost reminds me of like a game of Dungeons & Dragons or like an, a role-playing game, essentially. Just yeah. the simple fact that, you know, when they just say, one kid can save us. It's this guy. Okay. Like, no one questions it. Uh, you know, it, it, this is coming. Okay. Uh, I'm on a quest. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Well, you're on a quest. 
Yeah. Of course. I'll help you since you're on a quest. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's this weird shorthand where, you know, they, they don't really explain their motivations aren't really a concern here at all. Right. Like, it's just literally like, we're doing this. Now I'm going here. Now I'm going there. I mean, even after they, they send him on his mission, I'm jumping ahead again, but he just starts writing. I mean, th yeah. the whole thing feels like a video game to me. It's like Zelda. It's I, well, Zelda is on my thing. I mean, you got you got Link and Princess Zelda yeah. right there. Yeah. But I mean, I yeah. think those are fantasy tropes. That's where Zelda gets it from. Yeah. They're both getting it from the same kind of thing. But yeah, there, there's this weird shorthand in the storytelling that, and I think this is where my adult viewer disconnect comes from because they they tell me what's happening a lot yeah. of the time without really explaining why it's happening. They just say, this is happening. You're on a quest now. I'm on a quest. This is, I have to go do this. We don't know right. why he wants to. We don't know why, you know, he, he wants to because he's the hero and that's what the hero does. Like, right. you know, you just, you basically have a shorthand fantasy world. Not seeing it for quite some time and not, maybe not, not really being engulfed in the actual wraparound story of this and only really kind of remembering that it was, I really thought this was more of an Atreyu story. But yeah. it's, but it really isn't. It's not. It, it really not a whole lot to it, honestly. Right, and that's that's kind of what got me. This watch is from not seeing it for so long and not remembering things about it and not watching it as many times as, as maybe you did as a kid. Like I tend to remember there being a lot more Atreyu and Artax and more stuff with that. But like like Eric just said, we just get thrown in to Fantasia here. And this scene with the the rock, uh, what's his name? Biter, rock, the rock biter. Rock biter. The rock biter, rock biter, and the other the puppets and the the guy with the bat and and all that stuff like. And the guy from Willy Wonka. Yeah, <laughs> teeny we he's teeny weeny. <laughs> like getting introduced to them seems very weird to start our story off with. Like, I don't know, and, and I didn't remember that. I, I didn't remember that scene was there, and that it was actually a fairly long scene. Yeah, I like that scene a lot, and I think that it is kind of a good way to open it because it's just showing you the different people who live in Fantasia. Yeah. That this is affecting all of them. They've all come together for one purpose, to go to right. the Ivory Tower and seek help from the Empress. Right. Why They're is the world dying? They're representing their various races or whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, or countries it, or, you And know. we immediately get to see how scale is a big thing in Fantasia. Like you've got tiny people riding snails. You got a big giant mountain guy. Yeah. That eats yeah. Rock. Every, everything's like this widely varies in scale, which is one of my favorite things about the movie is, uh, is all that. And those characters are fun. A really fast snail, you know, don't, yeah. don't prejudge people. There's lots of little messages in this movie. Like, you know, yeah. uh, don't prejudge people based on their you know, looks and, yeah. Um, you know, uh, I like the narcoleptic bat. I love the sleepy bat, which is well, which I is credited as not credited, but it's known as like the stupid bat or something. I think that's what. But anyway, when they're there meeting the empress, because they have all come to talk to her. Mm -hmm. Did uh, did you notice any famous characters standing around that people mm -hmm. have noticed over the years? I read this. I didn't notice them. I didn't notice them, but I did read it. Go ahead and tell us. Yeah, supposedly there's Yoda is there, Gumby, 
Chewbacca, Mickey Mouse, a couple Ewoks, C-3PO, and E.T. No way. Wow. Spielberg That's helped what... with this in some capacity. I can't remember. The U.S. Yeah. version or something. So, yeah, there, yeah it's a nod to Spielberg, a... a lot of that stuff. Yeah, when they all show up. I, and I, I had to go back and watch it, and I was, I was like, okay, I, I still can't see them. I guess maybe I, I don't have it in 4K like somebody else would, and I couldn't see those type things. This movie's not out on 4K. Uh, and there you go, people. Josh would know. I actually had to watch <laughs> it on HBO Max because I could not locate my Blu-ray. Ooh, yeah. I watched it on Blu-ray, son. Well, I mean, I won't say this definitely is not the puppets in this scene, but I, I really don't think the visual effects have held up too well in this. Um, when you get to like green screen stuff and some of the actual visual effects of it, they they. The age is really showing on them now. Sure, but for me, uh, the practical effects are just so good. Yeah, I mean, they don't look real. I, I doubt they looked real in '84 either. To they're, look real, yeah, exactly. Like a, a, a the snail with the you know the rubber, you know, it's all rubber. Yeah, puppetry and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I actually really like that stuff. Um, just from a design standpoint, like. Uh, species or races or whatever yeah. of, of creatures and there's a lot of different creatures in this just mm-hmm. you know people in the background that just look you know you see yeah. them for a second and it's like that would have taken forever to put together well, that was what I noticed about them going to meet with the the empress was like the 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 people with the four-sided heads mm-hmm. yeah and then like, there were people with two-sided three heads, yeah like three-sided heads I think one of the kids pointed out that there was a walking fish yeah. as well. Like, Yeah, and, and then that's where we get this announcement that, you know, the Empress has fallen ill. Um, I do like the description of the nothing, um, what uh, Rockbiter gives us there and how they're talking about, like, you know, what did it appear as? Was it a, was it a hole? And he's like, oh, no, a hole would be something. This was nothing. Like, I really do like that. Yeah. The nothing is conceptually scary. Yeah. Yes. It's you know it's being forgotten. It's it's nothingness. It's yeah. It, it is scary. It's death. It's you know mm-hmm. it's it's everything we fear basically. Yeah. Uh, giving it no face, no image, no nothing makes it even scarier. It's it's fear itself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we t- typically think the wolf is the nothing. And that's what I thought when I was a last kid. week. Yeah. It was so funny that you mentioned that last week not even knowing that we'd be talking about it this week uh-huh, yeah. right what a coincidence this scene like when they're just you know getting to know each other mm-hmm. before the whole like nothing talk starts right they're a little like um it's like a like comic gag between like the rock biter he's eating rocks because mm-hmm. that's his food and he's just showering them with like boulders. The snail gets bonked on the head, yeah. and he's up there like sniffing his fine Chardonnay that he's got so refreshing with his limestone. It's, it's kind of funny. Limestone with a bit of quartz. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I failed to remember that you know that's how we're introduced to the story and what's happening and the nothing and all of that stuff. Um, but I, I, I did find it a little, a little weird starting it off that way, watching it this time again, because for some reason in my head, I remembered it being more a Treyu story, mm-hmm. um, which we're getting to here with 
with the, the Empress and his hero's journey. But like, I vividly remember like being attached to a Treyu and Artax. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, um, thought their journey lasted a whole lot longer than it does in this. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, oh, yeah. It goes I mean, we play. lose our tax within the first half hour of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wait, they they just started. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I was shocked at how quickly it happens. Like, I did not remember that it happened that quickly in the movie. Mm-hmm, me either. But this is definitely the scene that really leaves an impression oh on God. you as a kid. Yeah, it should be noted, too, before this happens, though, is... He says they wandered for a week not knowing where to go. And it shows it has a montage of him just riding all over the place. Like he literally just mm-hmm. left and just started randomly riding around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just looking for something. He doesn't even know what he's for looking for. Nothing. He was looking for the yeah. nothing. I mean yeah. it's weird. Isn't it? Yeah, because when he, when they get finally get to the what is the name of that swamp? The deadly swamps of sadness. He he was yeah. talking and he said we had went through the deserts of this and blah blah blah. And you're like Dang, did we just edit that out? That hit the cutting room floor. We didn't get to see any of that. Yeah. So. yeah I mean, that's that's definitely what watching it this time, I was like, God damn, we're here already. Like yeah. I I it hit me, you know, like a ton of bricks when I was a kid, when he's going through these mud pits and then every one he goes, he goes deeper and deeper. And I mean, if if you were a kid watching this movie and this didn't leave an impression on you, you you would you were gonna be a serial killer. Or something like yeah. I, it, this is a serious burden to lay on a child. Yeah, for sure. Is is they say if you fail, the empress will die and our whole world will be utterly destroyed. <laughs> yeah. So off you go. Don't worry about it. Just go try to fix this. You have no idea what you're doing. Yep. And then his best friend dies. Good. Yeah. This scene stole my innocence. <laughs> I, like I was not a child after this. Like it was so impactful to me. Again, strange because it really is a very short yeah. time they're I together. Mean, but quick. I guess it's just your like instinct, you know, man, animal, like yeah. the connection that sure. you can transfer your connection with whatever animal is in your life to their position. You don't really have to get to know their relationship you know your relationship. Right. And so you just transfer it onto them. Yeah, I mean, if you were in that position, you'd be a wreck. I mean, I would be a wreck. Any any yeah. normal person would, would lose their minds at yeah. this. You know? And the, yeah, the, I mean, the metaphor of, you know, they're, they're in the swamp of sadness. The metaphor of depression pulling you down. The metaphor of sadness mm-hmm. pulling you down and giving up, you know. The horse, Artax gives up, you know. And he's trying to get him to yes. not give up, but he, he does. I mean, there's some pretty heavy themes at work here yeah i mean and you know that this whole scene had such an effect on people our age and people later i mean you still see even even today you see videos on tiktok and that people talk about you know when my childhood ended and they go to a scene of a tray you holding on to the horse it's like you memes know yeah it's all there. over the mm-hmm. place i mean I mentioned at the beginning of the show i mean yeah there's some stuff that scars you as a child it's i mean for me it was this and when Optimus Prime died, <laughs> dude, both of those were like, what the hell? Is this what the world is? Even though we get a little bit of like bullying and stuff, everything up to this point is relatively easy to swallow. This right. this scene comes kind of 
I mean, it, it comes, you don't expect it, you know, as a first time watch, you're not, you're expecting no, them to yeah. crawl through and be okay. And yeah, you don't see that coming. No. And, and to add, uh, you know, to add to the impactness, impactfulness of it is, you know, Atreyu really trying to help his friend along. And then it's to the point where he just gets angry and he's come on, you stupid horse. Yep. Like has to kind of, like yeah. that makes it even worse. Is yeah, when he goes so that, and then his it's desperation, like, kind of, yeah. yeah. And then and, you got Bastion reading the book, and he's freaking mm-hmm. falling. Yeah, you know? like holy shit! But again, Bastion is all of us. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. In that moment. But my question is: after he does that, he walks along. Why is he not sinking? I guess his will to save their yeah. world is greater yeah i mean he's sadness he's for his friend trudging yeah. along it's not like he's yeah having an easy time just you know he's not moonwalking across the he's crying and he's sad while his horse is sinking why was he not sinking also at the same time? i think yeah it, he because he doesn't give up he like jenny said it's his will you know that's why yeah. he, he was chosen for this because he well, will not because we wouldn't have a we wouldn't have a movie or I'm a story say that the movie would point. be over already. <laughs> well you know in just a few minutes he he is gonna give up that's yeah. true yeah really um after he goes and sees morla who is a giant turtle turtle and looks amazing yeah like just talk about effects holding unbelievable. up unbelievable that scene looks good that's probably one of my best ones. In Even the movie. wide shot w- mm-hmm. when he's yeah. like right in front of it mm-hmm. on the tree. Yeah. yeah. Like again, like let me reiterate the puppet work in this is amazing still. Um, I, I may have some issues with Falcor. We'll get to soon, but um, this <laughs> what's turtle. What's What's the matter with you? <laughs> I know this is going to be a 50, 50 conversation. Cause I think me and Josh are going to be on the same side. As but yeah, I mean, the, the turtle does look amazing. I love that it sneezes and. Oh, the sneezing is great. I love the, the, what is it? The third sneeze where he, he holds it and then it, it, it gets you a second later. Like that, that all works really well, but yes, the conversation, the puppet work, all of that there is amazing. And, you know, we just had kind of the, you know, we went through the swamp of sadness, dealt with depression, maybe even ideas of suicide you know giving up on life that kind of stuff and now this turtle is representing apathy just Mm -hmm. she's given up she doesn't care she's not willing to even bother to try helping anything um because she doesn't see any point in it um you know we're, we're dealing with some interesting you know life challenges in a kids movie which is pretty cool mm-hmm. yeah. I, I mean i think that's why it resonates with so many kids along with the fantastical you know packaging but it it, mm-hmm. it has a some pretty deep messages going on yeah yeah which sure. is a weird uh it's weird having that but then also having these super basic plot lines of go on the quest yeah. do this because it's like there's metaphor going on but then there's not there's also like a weird shorthand that's not yeah. not satisfying to me Oh no, I completely understand where you're coming from there. And I like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's almost like this movie is a buffer for kids to like prepare for life. Yeah. Um, the, the story in a sense has to be very basic and those underlying themes stick with you for, for, you know, underlying reasons. Well, I, I think this just comes to the point of this is a kid's movie To, to me. This is a kid's movie. 
Yeah. Yeah. Despite the big sphinx but breasts. It's but it is a never ending story in a sense of like, like, we'll get into this at the end of it. Like this same story repeats over and over and over again. You know, right. it, it's, it's almost kind of a, in a weird sense, like the dark tower in a way, like mm-hmm. we're always going to, we're always going to take this road. This is always where we're going to end up. Like Maybe. it's, it's a very weird actually juxtaposition. You have there. the whole quest kind of reminds me of the talisman as well, because the, the sick yes. mother and going on a very thing much to save the mother kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And a very like fantastical world. Yeah. Involved as well. And two, right, guys, two we, versions. Jason can't relate. We're, we're talking about books now, and Jason can't be involved in the conversation. Jason, wake up. Uh, um, oh, wait. Oh, sorry. I, I, was, I, was, I was asleep thinking of my comic book collection, and uh, I'm sorry. I didn't know what was going on. Right here before um, we get to, you know, Atreyu giving up and introduction of my favorite character, we get back to... To Bastion's world, mm-hmm. um, where it's the end of the day, like the school bell has rung, and he has to make the decision: does he stay in the world of the story, or does he go back to his reality? Well, the story is more appealing to him. It's so much more appealing than his horrible. Also, his reality. his his actions are starting to mirror the the actions in the book. So like yes. he eats his lunch when Atreyu eats his lunch. Uh, yep. When the wolf shows up, the stuffed wolf in the attic falls down on him. And mm-hmm. Atreyu is trying to decide if he wants to keep going or not. And and so is Bastion. He has to decide if he wants to keep yep. going. Yeah. I think it's funny is that when the, the turtle Morla tells him, it's 10,000 miles away. I mean, us as kids, we used to do that at our parents. Hey, we're going to go visit grandma. It's 10,000 miles away. I don't want to go. I mean, everything was 10,000 miles away. I just kind of funny how they put that in there. So, I mean, it, it's so like everyday child's life, especially in the eighties when we all did car trips to go see relatives and we didn't fly. We drove everywhere. Well, so before we get to the next big part of this movie, let's go ahead and talk some cast members. Almost famous. Yeah, I know that, dude. I don't know them. I know her. You Haven't you ever heard of that guy? What, that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? I'm sort of famous for being almost famous. Surprisingly enough, I, I, I had a hard time finding some stuff for this. I got two. Uh, not a ton of, like, big, mm-hmm. big, big name people in this. Yep. Um... So, Jason, if you've got two, go ahead. We'll do do one. We'll see if everybody has all the same ones. Well, I'm going to go with uh, the dad, Gerald McRaney. Uh, I remember that because he was a big thing in my childhood because we used to watch Major Dad. We watched the show Simon and Simon. Simon and Simon, absolutely. But I remember him a lot because he always popped up. The main thing was Major Dad and Simon and Simon. We watched those regularly as a kid. And then also digging through the rest of this, I was like, there's like one or two things that everybody else did. But. Gerald McRaney, he did all this stuff, but he was never famous, famous. Yeah, yeah he was on so. mine as well. He won his uh, his Emmy for This Is Us in 2017 as a guest. There you go. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was mine too. He's pretty much the only face I recognized in this, other than uh, Deep Roy, who is teeny weeny. I just remember him from being all the, and the Oompa Loompas. All the Oompa Loompas. <laughs> Lots of TV. He was did a lot of stunt acting in Star Wars. And uh, stuff like that. Oh, nice. The original trilogy. So, does anybody else got another one? Because I got another one here, too. 
Well, the dad is the one person I recognized from the movie, and I so I, I kind of left him out looking for somebody else. The only other person, I when I saw them on screen, I recognized, I was like, hey, that's the woman from Willow, and it was Patricia Hayes. Um, yeah. She's the wife of... Virgil. Um, yeah, the, the people we're getting to here in just a minute. Yeah. Um, she played Finn Razel, who Willow is going to find, who's who's the, the animal, and then he has to change her into her human mm-hmm. form. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. I recognized her there, um, but her husband in this uh, the Sydney Bromley. Yeah, he was in American Werewolf in London, which <laughs> we watched last week. <laughs> okay, that's fun. Well, does anybody just got I, I want to say the other one because this relates to our childhood. Josh, the other guy. I got nothing. Jenny's got nothing, so go for okay. it. Okay, Alan Oppen- Oppenheimer. The main reason he's he did lots of voice acting. But he was also in Private Benjamin, the movie Nine, you know, the little doll movies where they were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toy Story 4 is the old man, mm-hmm. minor. Uh, he's in the new Space Jam movie. But the thing he is most famous for from our childhood, he was the voice of Skeletor. <laughs> yes. But Wait, who in the he's movie? He's Falcor he and Rockbiter. He, he is. Yeah, he's Falcor's voice. Oh. He's the Gamort. Uh, he's Rockbiter. And he's the narrator. Okay. But oh, I was okay. like. That's why I had him and the dad because I mean, I mean, I love me some freaking he uh, he man stuff from a yeah, kid. Yeah, me too, and man. He's still actually doing stuff too, so that's cool. So, well, but I would say the dad probably Gerald McRaney. Yeah, I mean, he's probably the most notable person, in even the though movie. he's a shit dad. I mean, I shit yeah, dad, but the most notable actor <laughs> in the movie for sure. I would have thought the kid that played Bastion or the kid who plays Atreyu would have went on to do a lot more stuff. Dude, well, nothing, nothing dude. like. I don't like the actor that plays Atreyu at all. Yeah, well, we'll get to him. Yeah. Ba- Bastion I think he, I think he a troll. X circles around that kid, for real. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I'm glad you bring that up. Um, if we're recasting the never-ending story, who are we, we Who are we recasting and why? <laughs> and who are we this recasting? It's tough to get with? out, bud. I'm, so, I'm yeah. proud of you for getting through that. So Jason had, you know, the, the good one last week. We're going to start with everybody else here, but I kind of went the whole route of anybody from Stranger Things could be recast in this, and it would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> anybody else? I, uh, I don't think anybody should be recast in this. <laughs> You're not even going to participate in And I'll tell you second. why. No, but no, because I can't name anybody who I would cast in this. Because what's great about this movie is they're nobodies, yep. Yep. pretty much. When you're a kid, you couldn't relate. You them don't. To anything. You don't yeah. know who these people are. Yeah. So they're just the characters. So if you can grab me a handful of no names off the street, and this is their first movie. Well, before Stranger fine. Things and it, I would have thrown Finn Wolfhard out there for like a Treyu or something, even though he doesn't fit that Native no. American thing they're going for. But like, <laughs> so that's why. Eric, did you come up with anything? Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, so, Atreyu, my, my issue with, uh, let's see, what's his name? Noah Hathaway. Um, is that I feel like he was chosen maybe more for his looks and physicality. Maybe, you know, some of his physical attributes mm-hmm. or abilities rather than his acting ability. So, I thought a great uh, swap for him would be a young Taylor Lautner. Like sh- shark boy I knew age. You were gonna say that. 
because because Eric's a huge Taylor Lautner. Fan. Yeah, I'm a he big loves Lautner that hat. one movie, the parkour movie. The parkour movie. Parkour. 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 Fun fun story. Eric and I actually watched that together. At no, no, house. we watched we watched uh, the 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 one where he kidnapped one. What's it called? Was, oh, we didn't watch no. the parkour one. That's right. It was the other one, Abducted. abducted which was brutal. Weaver. <laughs> yeah, Worst movie I think I've ever seen. Um, Actually, I don't think any of us have seen the parkour movie. Maybe we should do that on I here. don't think that's... <laughs> I, I would watch the parkour movie. Uh, apparently, uh, the the uh, the actor, uh, Noah Hathaway, was actually difficult to work with. They had a hard time getting anything out of him while they were while he was acting. Huh. And the director said that uh, Barrett Oliver, the kid that plays Bastion, was just so great and easy to work with. And he was like nailing his scenes. And uh, Noah Hathaway, Atreyu, was not very good. And I agree, he's not. Um, also, uh, Rockbiter it could be The Rock. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you mine from last week. <laughs> no, Rockbiter, uh, Lavelle Crawford. Huel from Breaking Bad. Remember Huel? Oh. <laughs> the big black guy that lays on the money. Oh, With yeah. Bill Burr. yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining that dude <laughs> trying to eat rocks. <laughs> That's it. That's all I've got. Jason, uh, what do you got, buddy? Jason, all right. What have you prepared for us That's tonight, all. sir? Well, I got I had two lists here. We're gonna do a serious I'm gonna do my serious one first. I actually did some digging in this because I wanted to go with like she said, child actors that are I mean, they nobody knew who they were back then, but I went with child actors who could probably be somewhat famous right now, but still haven't like totally, totally blown up, but we kinda know them. I was gonna go with the Empress as Sophia Lillis, the one that played in it, the redhead as the little girl, as the okay. Empress. Uh, Bastion would be, what's his name? Noah Duke from A Quiet Place, Ford versus Ferrari. Okay. okay does anybody know these names so far? You <laughs> said you, I, I, I knew know, the girl. I did, some, I did some digging on this. So. Uh, I figured y'all watched The Quiet Place, part one and two. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah, I have. It's just been a uh, Atreo, I was going to go with M.G. Anthony from Chef, and he was in Krampus. Well, you're going deep here. I'm cool. Yeah, that's a little, I, I remember the kid and chef being really good. Yeah, I, I, but, I saw that movie recently, and I was like, oh, yes, he would do a good... I think he would be good at trade. But honestly, the the only thing I really remember from the movie Chef is that awesome grilled cheese sandwich. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Rockbiter would be John Goodman from so Roseanne. I can see that. Uh, Carrion, which is the, the guy that walks out to tell everybody the uh, Empress is dying. If you say Samuel L. Jackson. No. I said it's uh, Jeffrey Wright, Westworld Cadillac Records. All right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, the, I like that guy. The Gamort, which we'll get to later. I did Bill Skarsgård. Okay. Just a crazy voice. But Falcor, I did this. This is for Josh. Donald Glover. Just to think of him having a great time, Mr. Music Man, whatever, and just singing while they're flying through the sky. That is... The last thing I expected out of your mouth. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. I. Mm. That's kind of weird. I don't know how I feel I about it. But that's what I was going with. I was like, I was trying to think of somebody. I was like, I like this guy. I know Josh loves his music and stuff like that. And I've listened to it. And then just some of his way he is in some of the movies. I was like, I'm going to go with him. I kind of like that. Like Lando but, version? Yeah, maybe a little. But 
like a he's awesome oh yeah, yeah but my main list the one that we wanted for is i you know the last time i did if hollywood casted this i'm gonna do mm-hmm. is if view askew casted oh this oh god kevin smith <laughs> did this movie but oh my god i'm gonna go as the empress as uh well because she's cool and i, I i've heard kevin smith talk but uh, the girl from uh, stranger things was it millie bobby brown or what her name miley whatever i can millie see that. Bobby, millie brown. bobby brown okay mm-hmm. okay um <laughs> carrion would be samuel jackson <laughs> the guy that comes out <laughs> it's funny when you said that i was like dude uh rock biter would be seth rogan but instead of eating rocks he'd be rolling blunts nice so <laughs> i think he'd be smoking sad. rocks uh, yeah, smoking <laughs> rocks or yeah, something like that. The turtle, because it's the ancient one, and you know we all know how uh, Kevin Smith loves everything green. They would be going to go see Snoop Dogg, and that's not fog in the swamp. <laughs> <laughs> so hello. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, but. Uh, and Bastion, I had a, I was uh, thinking because I know he's too old for the role, but I was, I could see Kevin Smith just trying to make it age appropriate or work, making that. But I was looking at Justin Long as him trying to read this damn story and getting through. <laughs> so, a young Justin Long. A, a young Justin Long. But then, you know, because Kevin Smith in all of his movies along with Jason Muse, I, I put uh, Jason Muse could be a Treyu and Kevin Smith could be Falcor. So. Oh and uh is that all the ones i had i think that's it oh and uh ingy wood and ergel i just changed them out and that would just be cheech and chong (laughs) that's that's what i had this week i was like i wanted to do something i know josh and i first first thing i thought of was like if i was even thinking kevin smith could be artex because you know he's silent bobby never talks and you can see jason Mewes trying get your fat (laughs) ass out of the mud come on fat ass that's better. Oh. That's I like that the most. Uh, yes, so I, I really went with that. I was like, because then you see Jason Mewes walk up if he was uh, a Treyu and he's talking to Snoop, the, the ancient one, <laughs> and he's blowing smoke in his face instead of sneezing in his face. Yeah. You, hey, man, why don't you share that blunt? Exactly. You could see Jason That's Mewes what... saying something inappropriate to the uh, princess as well. Probably. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yo, baby, you have your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat? <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I had for this week. I, I said I did the series side, and then, uh, what's, you know, Kevin Smith's a great director, but I was like, what if he directed Never Ending Story? How would I cast Oh, him? he would disagree with you, for sure. So. He is not a great director. <laughs> <laughs> I love Kevin Smith. But, but, yeah, that was the main thing. But the two things that originally started that, my recast, was jason muse being a treyu and kevin smith being artex and this i'm there. just now imagining justin long playing that bobby sinclair or whatever the porno actor dude that's it from <laughs> zach and mary make a porno yeah. yes as bastion no. <laughs> oh. oh my god <laughs> oh no it's granny panties hey <laughs> but yeah that's, all right that's what i have for recast this week people Okay, so we've got a Treyu going through the Swamp of Sadness, mm-hmm. and, you know, we've got these intercut scenes of, I I have, I just want to call him the nothing. What is the wolf's name? Gamork. The Gamork. Gamork. We've got the shots of the Gamork going after a Treyu, and this is where we get the introduction to Jenny's favorite character. Dog 
cool. Also my favorite character, Jenny. And I'm going like, to let you gush, you... and then I'll gush after you. So go ahead. Everybody's favorite character of this movie when they were a kid. I mean, who's who are we kidding here? Uh, no, we're special, Josh. Not... Don't take away our specialness. <laughs> I, I, I personally like the narcoleptic bat. No. You would. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't just prefer the, the wolf, the mork. Actually, I do. I loved that as a kid. <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> but let Jenny talk about the falcor. When I was a kid, I just wanted to like snuggle up in those fuzzy ears mm-hmm. and like run my hands over that like crazy scaly like surface that's mm-hmm. part of his body. Just ah, and his little puppy dog eyes. Just this. I want like a stuffed. Falcor. Full size. I've always wanted one. Full size. Yeah. Full size. Yes. <laughs> Takes up that your whole it new room. It could be like, <laughs> yeah. like the body pillows they have, but just It could Falcor be like a sectional, like, like a sectional couch, yeah. but just Falcor. <laughs> hey, John, in your room, you Josh, in your living room. Uh, the wedding anniversary gifts right here, Christmas. She's trying oh, to lay them out there. I've already had to fashion a Nimbus 2000 out of wood. I'm not going to be able to come up with a Falcor. Yeah. Dang, that was like five years yeah. ago. Hey, yeah. me and Josh did a great job on that damn thing. You did. That freaking I, awesome. I'm expecting you to to top it. Yeah, she year. wants a fucking wow. Falcor in the backyard. I can't get it. I can't. I, can't, I don't <laughs> think I, I'm not confident in getting you a Falcor. Sorry. Oh, you better work something out. I do like the thought they put into the design here of him being a <laughs> luck dragon. dragon. Um, with like the head, paws of a dog, all that stuff, but with the scales of a of a reptile, mm-hmm. um, I thought that was really cool. And the fact that they kept him all white and they didn't like try to do the traditional green dragon or whatever. Yeah. Well, he's um, sort of but the, he's sort of iridescent. Like his scales are sort of iridescent, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. you know he's got kind of a wise. He almost has like a mustache, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of gives him this wise vibe it's funny you say that because that's what reina said she's like it's like a dog with a mustache <laughs> well let me ask you this they they, they the, the kids you watched it with they grew up with great danes i mean my mm-hmm. mastiffs always reminded me of falcor I, I izzy in particular mm-hmm. i would always say she looked like falcor i mean and i would love to i mean taking a nap with a big giant breed dog is like the best thing ever like listening to them breathe just like falcor just like sleep, sleeping with falcor <laughs> I mean, he's, just a, he's a big dog, and he's got the optimism of a dog. He's got the positive vibes of a dog, and he's always there for you, and just like a dog is, man. That's why dogs are awesome. He's just a little puppy. He's just a little puppy. I just watched that episode. <laughs> Never-ending story slash Parks and Rec I references. just watched that episode. <laughs> I like that. Falcor is kind of a smart ass in a sense mm-hmm. as well, because he's like, did you take me the whole 10,000 miles? No. <laughs> 9,891. <laughs> I don't think he's a smartass. I think he's just literal. He's, he's yeah. you know, mm-hmm. again. He's like Drax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just very honest. Like, he's honest and true. He's everything that's good in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is where we're introduced to the couple. I did not write their names down because I'm a terrible host. Jason, I'm sure you did. Uh, Urgle and Ingi Whoop. You can't tell me that. Princess Bride didn't steal from this. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. almost as good as Princess Bride, though. Princess Bride tops this. Princess Bride's way better than this, in my but opinion. This is good. I like, well, Princess Bride like also uses the framing device of reading a book, too. True. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a... No, I mean, 
in a sense, there are so many different things about both those movies. But yes, the framing of the book, reading, and the this particular moment really just kind of reminds me of the Billy Crystal moment. Oh yeah, I mean they're they're so sure. similar. It's crazy the bickering yeah. with the mad scientist vibe and all that stuff. They're very similar. Yeah, in my head, mm-hmm. I get these two sets of people mixed up sometimes. <laughs> I have because yeah. I was like, "Is this the one with Billy Crystal in it?" Um, and and the kids we were watching this with have seen Princess Bride and are very big fans of it, and that's uh, pretty much what they were saying the whole time mm-hmm. we were watching this scene as well. It's another great example of them using scale. Uh, but Atreyu, you know, gets picked up by uh, Falcor, and he, Falcor is huge and way bigger than Atreyu, right? But then Atreyu goes to see mm-hmm. these people, and they're tiny. And so now, you know, you think, okay, Atreyu is kind of the smallest person type we're dealing with. No, you've got way tinier people. I mean, we never see him with the snail people, so I guess my brain doesn't click. Until Are they then. hobbits? But that, I, basically. Uh, <laughs> and it's a great comparison. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when they when he has to take the the barrel up the, the pulley system mm-hmm. up onto the rock and, and, and Atreyu can just kind of like walk and climb up the rock because it's mm-hmm. he's so much bigger. All that stuff really holds up. The scale stuff when they're up on top of the rock, and you know Atreus kind of in the foreground, and the guys in the background, like all that, they do a pretty good job of that. I mean, talking about Lord yeah. of the Rings, yeah. like playing with scale and 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 forced perspective and stuff like that, that all looks pretty good. Yeah. I love that this guy's getting an attitude about Atreus looking through his telescope. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> almost like wanting to like shoo it's him away. My telescope. Yeah. How cool is that He's telescope? The, it's got like it's crystals. Badass. Yes. Like vial, like vials of liquid, and like, how does it even work? Mm-hmm. I, I love that's that's the kind of design stuff that I love in movies like this, and and um, you know, uh, Labyrinth and things like that, Dark Crystal, yeah. like just really outlandish designs that are don't even really make sense. They're just cool looking, right? You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So through the telescope, they're watching as a a knight or an unnamed rider is trying to pass yeah. through these gates um with uh, did we catch the name of the gates so he's going to the southern oracle and this is the first gate right yeah. of the southern oracle yeah. oracle mm-hmm. i think i was always confused as a kid i thought this was the southern oracle because I, I know he gets to the next ones too but i was like is this all basically the southern oracle but i, I mean we don't want to build one. two two gates we'll just light it differently for the second yeah. one <laughs> <laughs> One will be gold, one will be silver. <laughs> I was a little taken aback by how prominent the nipples are on these. Dude, statues. I have it in they my definitely notes. definitely are. <laughs> Apparently, the, the director wasn't too happy with it either. I never noticed it as a kid because you're a kid. You don't pay attention to that stuff, even at seven. But I'm just like, wow. So here's where, like, does anybody else have a problem with the fact that a Treyu gets through here? Because... No. Like he essentially does the same thing the knight does and the knight gets blasted and he hesitates. He doubts himself, but he's able to just dart through the gate and not get like, I don't know. I had a little bit of an issue with this this time. Well, it's hard to have an issue when all these these judgments being made by the gate are internal, like based on your internal thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. So you can't really tell us how Atreyu feels inside. Also, yeah. it, I think it kind of gives us a chance to let Bastion kind of encourage him. Like, I feel like Bastion kind of helps him regain his composure there because everyone's yelling at him. Mm-hmm. 
That's my yep. perspective. And I mean, for someone to feel their own worth, that's a big requirement. True. Like, way too much of a burden for a child. Again, more burdens being put on children. Yeah. <laughs> and another pretty um, dark moment when that soldier gets fried. Yeah. When he yeah. opens up the helmet. And like, when he opens it up, yeah. And it's all zombified and so shit. Crisp. You know, I just realized we were talking about how Bastion was kind of maybe helping push Atreyu along. We missed it earlier, way back, uh, was when they were talking to the turtle and he screamed and they could hear it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you could hear Bastion in the, the yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. see the turtle and Atreyu look around, so you kind of wonder. The lines are Bastion, blurring. Yeah, Bastion, are they, they becoming the one? They're not Neo from the Matrix, but they're starting to become work together to get through this right and after Mm -hmm. he gets through this gate his next task is he has to look in that mirror well it's a good enough time to do it let's go ahead and do quotes you're gonna need a bigger quote all right or we do do we need the taglines because there was one tagline for this whole movie yeah give give it to us the tagline for this movie that i can find is a boy needs a a boy who needs a friend finds a world that needs a hero in a land beyond imagination actually kind of like that if it's a bit long but it's, good. it's a little word it's a little word it's longer than the script of the film yeah <laughs> <laughs> but the quote we were just talking about while yes. we're doing quotes kind people find they are cruel brave men discover they are merely cowards when they look into yep. the mirror yeah and i just finishing my thought on that atreyu finds out that he's just a character in a book is that what is that what we're supposed to learn from Atreyu? From from this moment when he sees Bastion looking back at him, like I'm just a storybook character. I mean, that's kind of where it's going at this. Like point. I'm not real. <laughs> I don't know, like because they don't really talk about it. He doesn't say anything about it. He just it kind of moves on after that scene. I, I don't know. It does. So quotes. Quotes. We're in the quote segment. So what was the Falcor Falcor quote that uh, Jenny should say? Eric the Falcor. Said, yeah, quote. you do it, Jenny. I know Guess you have the Falcor, a Falcor quote, quote, Jenny. She, she doesn't have it. <laughs> oh, Jenny does doesn't have a Oh, Josh, do you know it? Three or four for me. So, is it the one about having a luck dragon or something? Oh or? Christ! I, I okay, I'm gonna know. say it. Never go- give up, and but, good luck will find you. Yeah, that one. Uh, I mean, that's that's basically okay. the message of the entire film. I can't believe. It. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to the winch, wench. That's one of mine, damn it. <laughs> Sorry, you go ahead now. You guys go. The Empress is quoting or talking to Atreyu saying, in the beginning, it's always dark. I really like that. But, I mean, those are the only two that I really wrote down. Um, I have one oh, when the, uh, the guy at the bookstore, he said, you know, the square things that don't go beep. <laughs> and I'm like, again, that still uh, counts for today. There's the one with Falcor. Oh, he says, I like children, but not for breakfast. <laughs> I guess he was talking about he was getting hungry. <clears throat> I like when the rock biter is uh, basically accepting his own fate, and he says they look like good, strong hands, don't they? Uh, that's yeah. a pretty touching moment. Um, yeah, I had that one when he Breaking can't heart. he can't hold on to his friends. Um, <laughs> uh, I like when Atreyu sees the uh, I forget his name, the wolf. He says, I will not die easily. I am a warrior. Even though we never see him actually do any war- warrioring, 
warrioring. <laughs> and then, um, oh, we don't even care whether or not we care from the turtle. That's I had oh, that's yeah. the one I was about to say. I thought that one was pretty funny, or the because uh, what the the turtle says we. Yeah, I was like, is this venom? But uh, there's your venom there's reference. My venom, man. I knew that was coming. yeah, but but I was just like, but it said, you say we. Is there somebody else? It says we've been doing this for so long. We've started talking to ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, that was pretty good. I think the turtle is probably my second favorite character. In this movie. Turtle's pretty good. Um, my quote is coming up from the climax of the movie. Call my name, <laughs> Bastion. Like, I don't know. We just, my mom and I used to always say that to each other. <laughs> I feel like we were obsessed with this movie. My other favorite one is, uh, whoever you are, you have the honor of being my last victim. Yeah, that's I like pretty that badass. One. With the creepy voice. I was like, yeah, I like that one. Gotta have some kind of scary reference in these movies somewhere. But I think that's it. Yeah. I'm good with quotes. But yeah, they has to go to the the edges of Fantasia, the Oracle tells him as they start to crumble because the nothing is building. And uh him and Falcor hop on and go to the edges and ask Falcor, Do you know where this is? He's like, No. <laughs> so they're just gonna keep going. That's right. They fly through the Mad Max Fury Road thunderstorm thing and uh Atreyu falls off falls off of uh Falcor. Uh, why why didn't this fall from all those heights kill Atreyu? It's a movie. It's a movie. Okay, that's probably um, the answer I need. You want to talk so, about uh, Inception when he wakes up on this <laughs> beach in the surf? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Major Inception vibes. <laughs> but um, then he goes and he sees the rock biter, and the rock right. biter tells him, you know, he has these strong hands. Yeah. And his like revelation that he's lost his friends to the nothing Mm -hmm. and you can like palpably feel his depression and acceptance it's so sad i I think it's probably you know after kind of digesting this watch and again it's first time i've watched this in a while i watched it with my kids when they were little uh but i think that might be my favorite scene now even though i i love falcor and all that but that is that scene hits. Yeah. It works, you know? And it's from a big... John Goodman rock-looking rock guy. Rock-looking guy. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, John Goodman could have played this part. I mean, it would have been good. I mean, that's the other thing that I walked away from this movie is, like, this movie is inherently sad. Yeah. As an adult watching it now, I'm finding it weird that we had such an attachment to this movie because it is so dark and it is so sad. Yeah. I mean, if you look at old Disney films... They have a lot of sad moments as well, like loss and, you know, like Bambi's, Bambi's mom, mom and, you know, people yeah. dying and, you know, uh, Dumbo's mom. That's a big part of, of really the best kids films is kind of teaching yeah. kids about loss and Mufasa. Yeah. Mufasa. Yep. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's <clears throat> sorry, losing my voice here. Um, which okay. is Jason's a, getting choked <laughs> up. I'm getting choked up, but, um, we were talking about that, you know, how growing up and stuff like that, it actually reminded me of a song <laughs> that uh, me and Josh like on the, the Gunship album, When You Grow Up, Your Heart Dies. It's about basically growing up and not 
forgetting who you are as a child and stuff like that yeah. and holding on to those things. And that's kind of what's going on here is you're forced to, you got to deal with the real world and stuff like that. But you also, you know, they said, was it the thing line later? You got to keep your feet on the ground, but why, why can't you still be a child at heart in some way and still get through and be an adult, but still have a child like soul to you and enjoy keep your life feet on the ground and your head in the clouds. That's right. And also, the memory of people is important. Yeah. Because that's what the yeah. that's what the nothing is, right? Is forgetting people. And he's lost yeah. his mother. And the best way to honor her is to remember her. You know what I mean? Well, I was just going to say this whole conversation between he and the wolf um, is very telling about where our characters are at this point in the movie. But I did find it a little weird that this thing has been chasing Atreyu across Fantasia, trying to prevent him from doing what he's supposed to do. And yet they have, he has no problem sitting there having a conversation with him for 10 minutes. He didn't recognize well, it seems him. like he doesn't know, he didn't who, know he who he was because he said, I'm supposed to be chasing some warrior across the Fantasia to stop him. He basically tells him he's, but he does not know that the person in front of him is the warrior Atreyu that he's looking for. Because he didn't get a, a good bit weird. look at him. Yeah. Didn't yeah. get a good look at him in the swamp. Ate him. Well, I know yeah. what's cool about that room that he's in, too. You gotta, It's got to be weird for Atreyu. He's walking around in an old, like, cave-looking thing, and it's got pictures of his story that he has just done. Again, he's wall. he's facing the fact that he is a character in yeah. someone else's yeah. story. He even sees the picture of the wolf on the wall, turns, and then there's the Gamork, a.k.a. wolf, Which, nothing, in the wall. Um, But it's... It goes back to the theory that this is a story that repeats. Yeah. And he's just this version of the story. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost a program that he, goes around. And yeah, around. it's the Matrix. cog in the wheel. It's the yeah. Matrix. It's Neo. <laughs> he comes, yeah. keep coming yeah. back and does the same thing until you change something. It's a story as old as time. But I even like how the wolf. It's never ending, yeah. even. Him and the uh, the Gamork or Wolf, where we're going to refer to him, they, I mean, he's throwing like straight up logic at him because Atreyu doesn't even know what Fantasia is. He's telling him that well, Fantasia is a world of human fantasy. Like even this wolf creature knows what it is. And yeah. then he's saying every part, every creature is a piece of drama or dreams and hope of mankind. Therefore it has no boundaries because he's telling him Mm -hmm. there are no boundaries. So you're going to nowhere. Right. So, because at this point, like I said, the Gamork doesn't know that that's a tray you that's standing right in front of him. And he's just laying it out and you're like, man, how does this thing know all of this? Right. You know, I know he's a, he works for the nothing per se. And we know what the nothing is doing, but it's like, he has all the knowledge. He knows what's going on. Now, I'm failing to remember. Does Falcor swoop back in and get him at the last minute here? I forgot. Well, he no. the, the no. wolf jumps him, and he stabs it. That's yeah. right. That's right. I thought we had another moment like the like the mud pits again. Yeah, when he finds out he's a Treyu, I, I mean, it's like a quick little thought. He d- jumps out. He kills the Gamort, and then they go on from there because the nothing is rolling in. I mean, he's getting blown away. He's holding on to a tree. Yeah. Those effects are awesome. That's a pretty good one, yeah. I mean, of all the rocks being ate away. Yeah, like all the, the sideways wind with the rocks and him holding onto the tree and stuff. I think there's moments where you can kind of tell that it's probably like a woman stunt person doing some of this yeah, stuff. Cause yeah, because the, the, the but, wig looks really weird. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> actually, apparently, when the when the wolf jumps on him, the actor 
got hurt by one of the claws, like hit his eye, like really, cl- like cut his face really close to his eye, oh. um, and like knocked the wind out of him. They only got one take of that, and they just threw this robot onto the, onto this child actor, and he just basically got oh. flattened. <laughs> so hey, I want to do this. Uh, you guys just throw the big wolf on top of him. He'll live. He's a pain in the ass anyway. Just throw the. Throw the 200 well, at least they were a little more careful than John Landis was with a guy oh, and the kids. God. And okay. Oh, yeah. Jeez, man, you're going <laughs> dark. Jesus. The, the, the part I think about is a trade we haven't mentioned yet, but I remember reading that that's not even the, the actor talking through the whole movie. His lines were dubbed by another actor. That's not even the actor talking. Wow. Because he had, a, I guess, a little bit of an accent. Yeah. And they went back and hired another actor to dub all of his lines. Trey sucks, bro. So, <laughs> so he was he was literally like Eric said, a pretty face because he, yeah. he didn't do anything else. So. Well, that's another reason I thought that this kid had been in more stuff later too, because it seems like he would have been like one of those kids that would have been in all those early eighty movies. But looking looking back at it now, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't really in anything else. Well, before. Um Gamork gets killed. He says, "People with no hopes and dreams are easy to control." Oh, right. yeah. Which is so heavy. Yeah, yeah. Like this movie. That's like a political thing, man. Hit me the hardest as an adult. This watch. Really. Like just all of the themes of it, and like, goddamn. Yeah, that line is heavy as hell for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and the part after that he says, and whoever has the control has the power. Yep. Yeah. That's part of that. And I'm like, whoa, that's pretty deep. That's pretty good for right now, 2021. Yeah, it's, it's, it's timeless. Whoa. It's so like, scary. That's, yeah. Right after this is another one of my favorite moments in the movie. Underwater Falcor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Put yeah, that boy underwater. He's even more majestic. And he gets, he gets, he finds the Orin or whatever. But I love that little, I mean... They had to build an entire set just to show him pick up the the medallion <laughs> for yeah. like five seconds of a scene or something. Yeah, yeah. I love. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of scenes like that where I'm like, wow, they put a ton of time into this one scene. That at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know how much they filmed, but you know, you get ten seconds or fifteen seconds, and that's it. And you built yeah. like an entire set just for the shot. There were certain scenes with Falcor in it this time where I was really kind of like, oh, they just have a big puppet head moving it around here and it, it it lost a little bit of its luster for me yeah. watching it this time but no that's way. just no, watching it as an adult now i think hey, we'll, we'll talk You're about wrong, that later friend. oh no <laughs> but, oh no uh, but falcor rescues a, a treyu as he's getting blown away and then they fly into nothing yeah i mean the, the every all is lost at this point yep. yeah it's fragments yeah. and pieces of Fantasia are floating around in the nothingness of like space. There's nothing there except for the ivory tower. Oh yeah, yep. it conveniently is like right there. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah, the Orin guides them there. Right. Yeah. Yep. And the Empress is magically like, oh, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, she looks good. Right. She looks great for being on her deathbed. Oh man, when I was a kid, I had such a crush on her. She was she so is pretty. a gorgeous child. Why did I think this was Thora Birch for some reason? Do you ever notice I her see teeth why you look say weird? that? Yeah, they're fake. They do. Yeah, they're fake. Yeah, she the actress lost her teeth just naturally. You know, because she yeah. was a kid. It's weird that they call her the childlike empress, don't you think? Yeah. Like, is she not a child? 
She's just I feel like childlike. She's, not a child. she's, mm-hmm. she's older, but she just looks like a child. I don't know. It's yes. weird. It reminds me of the Maharaja from Temple of Doom. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I always thought I always thought it was a girl. Right. When I watched that movie as a kid. Right. And then later on I was like, oh, that was a boy. <laughs> like I didn't even realize. And the fact that it was a child. Like, but they they talk about him in that movie with such like regard that I was like. I just did not, it did not comprehend to me when I watched that movie. It's hard with his costume and stuff. It's like hard to tell what's going on gender wise there. Uh, Another weird thing with the, with the ivory tower, uh, particularly where the childlike empress is, is all the vaginal imagery. Did you guys pick up on this? Yes. I mean, Atreyu basically walks through a giant vagina to go see her. Mm -hmm. The giant Mm -hmm. lit like heavenly lit vagina. You know? Betray you, all the secrets of the world <laughs> lie in this cave. So, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but you also have this weird stuff with renaming her and naming her after Bastion's mother. So you've got this like well, weird motherly stuff going on. And then you've got like, I guess you could look at it like creation and not so much mother, like everything's created from here. So that's, this is like creation birth rebirth because they they basically everything's destroyed and they you you have to recreate everything yeah yeah. if you're talking about the theory that bastion has died or is dying this could be his reincarnation Mm. yeah Mm. yeah so is okay is that what he screams when she says, say my name? I did some research on this. No I have no idea okay, what okay, well, yeah, he no. says to this day. Yeah, okay, without research, did anybody know what the hell this kid said? No, but I, 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 I have, no. no, I didn't. But that's I why I says. looked it up. Yeah. What does he say? It's his moon child. Well, but there's a there's a rumor child? that he never, he, he mouths something, but that is what he says in the book. Okay, so child. in the book, he says moon child. I'll just tell you what I'm I, talking about in this fucking movie. Well, let me address yes, it. But like, that's what they're saying. If, <laughs> let me. Can I finish? Can I finish? Eric, hey, Eric, hey, can I finish? Can I finish? Okay. Being a German production, this is what I read. Being a German production, the movie was always made with the German dub version close in mind. In the original language, Bastion names her Modenkind, which means uh, Moonchild. Now, Modenkind has three syllables, whereas Moonchild only has two. Instead of filming two versions of the scene, which is sometimes done, they told the actor to yell Moonchild in a way as to make it as it's as a three syllable as he could so they could use it for both takes. So he basically says, like, Moonchild. <laughs> like, so, so that's why it doesn't make any sense. And Yeah, I knew there were three syllables. Yeah, but... so that's oh, the answer to that question. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. I don't, I can't say. I just read it on the internet. Well, in this last scene before the name is called, yeah, he's talking to the childlike empress, you know, about where, you know, he couldn't do it, the, he couldn't find the human child, but he's already there with them mm-hmm. because he's with them in the story. And just like their whole conversation is really about the power of story and books and world building. And it's really like a beautiful sentiment. It is. And this is really where like when I was not, not really having the best time watching this, this time, this is the scene where I kind of turned around 
because when she starts explaining it to him and I start putting those pieces together about Bastion being the, 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 you know, Bastion is, this is Bastion's story. It's not a Treyu story. And, and how all of that unfolds is when I really just kind of hit me and I was like, okay, I really can respect where they went with this here. Uh, while I may have problems with some of it, like ultimately this is what turns this movie into something special for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, it is wonderful. It gets reduced to a, a grain of sand or whatever, a speck, and yeah. and he has to rebuild everything with his imagination and his wishes. And I just like the little interaction between uh, the Empress and when Bastion realizes that they're talking to him, and she turns yeah. and looks directly at the camera. Like she's talking yeah. to us mm-hmm. when she's looking mm-hmm. at Bastion, and then you see Bastion looking at her, and, you know, it's just they're watching each other, but he's yelling at her that he can't do it because he has to keep his feet on the ground from what his dad right. had told him earlier in the movie. Yeah, you can get very meta with this, and, like, I'm the, right. you know, I'm participating in the never-ending story. I'm part of well, it, cause, you know, and... Because you are. Yeah. Like, she says you are. Yeah, right, like, exactly. You're... Just he's reading about you and you're watching you're him, watching you know, like, him like it's it's all connected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Just wait till Bastion finds and, out he's just a character in our movie that we watch. He's not really important. <laughs> and we're talk- just wait till Bastion finds out he's dead in a dumpster. <laughs> <and they're> like, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> he just got dumped at the freaking uh, landfill and he's being chewed yeah. on yeah. by like a couple, you know, stray dogs <laughs> chewing on his pinky toe or something. Oh, I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> What if one of the dogs that's that's kind of chewing on him is just kind of looks like Falcor, like it's kind of <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of white and it's like it's like a white cocker spaniel. Yeah, or that's something. what I was going to say. A little it's white not really scale, scaly so much as it's mangy. Yeah. Well, then it wouldn't be true because then he really would like to eat kids for breakfast. <laughs> true. <laughs> Love it. That's awesome. Oh man! After he calls his mom's name, names. The Empress. Right. He is there with her. Yes. Yeah. Atreyu's gone. Everything else is gone. And he's the one who has to rebuild Fantasia. Uh-huh. Whew. And and yeah. and a new name. A, a new name is a new beginning, right? Just like this rebirth yeah. stuff we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. A new name is a new beginning. The beginning of a new story. You know, the never-ending yep. story, you might say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, he's he's creating, he's writing, he's uh, you know, this is all about fantasy. It's, it's all about, about stories. It's about imagination, exactly. So he's responsible for, you know, recreating all of this. Yeah, and his first wish is to ride Falcor, and. He must be making some wishes while he's doing that because he brings back everybody. Yeah, I mean, he Fantasia is rebuilt. As he's riding, yes, all this stuff's yeah, rebuilding. Yeah, he's, he's doing... He does all that before he goes after the bullies. It's not like immediately yes, he yes. goes for the bullies. Yeah, In fact, he could be doing rider. it for no. millennia. He could be True. doing endless things... And then but the finally boys are still like, there, well, so it's really been like a day. Time to head back. You know, I've been doing this for thousands of but, years. I've done everything I can think of. Time to go scare those bullies. And not just the bullies, but everyone on the street, by the way, because yeah. everyone yeah. can see this in the but world. But in Fantasia yeah. time, how many days go by in Earth time? Exactly. It, time is a construct. Yeah, time is Time's a, a flat circle. As so, we... Yeah, hello. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, I yeah, I, that's what I mean is he's, you know, this doesn't actually take any time, any real world time. 
you know, yeah, plus he's dead the whole time God-like. anyway. <laughs> so has anybody seen the sequel? Yes. I have, but not in a long I don't time. remember it. I don't. I've never seen it, so. I, I don't remember much about the plot. Because Jonathan Brandis was I was it. waiting for Jonathan Brandis to come up in the And episode. I had a huge crush on Jonathan Brandis. See, I would have recast someone with Jonathan Brandis in this. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize he was in the sequel. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the end of the never-ending story. Let's talk about what was good, bad, or ugly. The good, the bad, the ugly. Why? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> we always got to wait on air. Uh, all right, this is the good, the bad, and the ugly, where we talk about what was good, what was bad, and the ugly is optional. So, who wants to go first? I want to go first. Go first. Go forest. Go. Go forest. Go forest. Go, um, go Jenny. The first good thing is the practical effects. All of the puppetry and the animatronics, like it, it just looks great. I love it so much. Um, but more than that. The message of the movie, and even I, Jason, had this note written as well. When you grow up, your heart dies. Yeah, is a song by Gunship, who we like, and it it's the same idea as this movie that if you stop dreaming, stop pursuing what you love, you know, give up on all of your aspirations, then. That's when, like, you lose your light. The nothing. That's when, when you, you fail, yourself. yeah. It's a nothing. When you give up yeah. is when you fail. Man, that's cool. We're all yeah. in the same wavelength. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. High five, Jenny. And that, that really hit me, like, super hard, this movie. Just out of all the times I've watched this as a child and as an adult, this time I was just blown away by all of the messaging in it. Um, the bad... It is so unrealistic that this kid is missing and nobody is looking for him. Like, yeah. no. it's just, you got to give me something. Like, it's nighttime. Nobody likes Bastion. There's a, no. there's a storm going on. Only yeah, his mother like his, liked him. His asshole father is, is probably like, well, it's better off. He'll find his way home. He's going to learn a nice lesson on this. <laughs> I'm going to drink me some more vodka orange juice eggs. I'm going to hang out over here and chill. I'm going to drink another omelet. <laughs> Citrus omelet. <laughs> All right. Wait, was there an Is ugly? You had? Yep, Did you have an ugly? It. I have no ugly. Okay. What? Who wants to go next? I'll probably let Eric go. Oh, will you? Thank you. Uh, good for me is art direction. Uh, like Jenny said, the, the, the character design, stuff like that. Also, all the matte painting stuff, uh, miniatures, scale stuff, the cloud tank effects. That's a term I just mm. learned. Because I was curious about how they make all those cloud effects, you know? You see those in a lot of movies mm-hmm. like that. And um, apparently it's called the cloud tank. Anyone who knows about special effects would know about this. It's not a special thing. Uh, but for me, it's a new term, cloud tank. And I love all that stuff. Uh, weird swirling colors and really they build an interesting world um, with, you know, all these different, you know, methods of, you know, yeah. costuming and makeup and animatronics and scale and matte painting blah, 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 blah. so that's fun bad is the actor for Atreyu uh, he's bad actor um, and ugly is just the the as I've mentioned the sort of storytelling that is just I just needed a little connective tissue here and there 
to explain why people are doing things. Mm-hmm. They just they jump from one to the next, and I, I think they use that. Um, they kind of use it as an excuse to not explain things by by the fact that you're in a story within a story. So they yeah. they, they feel like they can skip certain elements and. I don't need a big explanation info drop, but just a couple of things, a couple of lines here and there would have, would have really smoothed all that out. It just feels a little funky. We don't need inception. No, <laughs> that's it for me. All right, Jason, I get, I get the feeling you and I may have some similar <laughs> stuff here. So go ahead. Uh, my good. This is a great childhood memory film. I love this movie. When I was a kid, it was great. Um, some of the special effects are pretty cool still like some some uh, i never had really a problem with the story i mean as we analyze it as an adult we do but back then it just went great i mean we loved it as a kid i mean it's a kid's jenny's, movie jenny still loves yeah. it i mean it's, it was great i mean it's part of your childhood no matter how old you get you still have a sentimental attachment to this movie i mean even in a very emotional attachment with you know the part with uh atreyu and artex i mean that's still to this day. That's that's sad. My bad. I think the practical effects in this movie don't hold up at all. The head of um, Falcor is it's 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 bad. Like the blinking eye, you can actually see it. Boom, boom, boom. It's it's clunky. You're clunky. <laughs> it's uh, the parts where it's just the head of him flying with the whatever kids on his head flying through the uh, alleyway, and the, even the back shot is is not that great. But as a kid, I didn't give a shit. I just didn't love the love the movie. But as an adult, I just don't feel like it holds up anymore. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, that rear projection stuff or whatever that is, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, some of that great. really was bad. Some I just had problems with some of the Falcor stuff. Yeah, of course, the character of Falcor, yeah, we all loved him. We would all love a, a backyard version of him that we could fall in asleep in and just cuddle with every day. And there's some other aspects of this film like that that just kind of like, eh, I could see he was bad. Some of the puppeteering was not that great, but I like the characters of the movie. Uh, yeah. My ugly, uh, I don't know, as I guess now I just, uh, at watching it here, I feel, I, I like the movie, but uh, there were other childhood movies I liked better than this one, like uh, Labyrinth and Flight of the Navigator. I think I connected more with those, so I think I've, and I've watched those recently, and I still enjoy those. This watching it, I was just like, I was lost a little bit. But I love the story, and like what Jenny just said, how it re- uh, relates to like this this song uh, from Gunship. I like that yeah. part of it. I mean, because I mean, I'm getting older, but I still have the kid side of me, man. I collect comic books and toys and everything like that. I'll never stop doing. It. I don't care when I'm 70. Yeah, I don't yeah. pay my bills, but never lose your inner child or your childlike soul always be who you are and do what you want to do but you know at the end of the day you are an adult and you got things to do but never lose your child side so that's it yeah i mean i i echo all the good stuff that you guys said uh the ending of this movie is really what what made it for me this time watching it um just that us being a part of the story and that playing into bastion being part of that story and all that stuff really kind of Turned turned my frown upside down in watching it this time because I was I was honestly not really enjoying it that much watching it this time. Um, the the adult in me was a little bit taken over and and some of the visual effects were really kind of showing their age to me. Um, 
And like You're I letting said, your heart die, bro. I know, I know, and and that's why I'm happy that I got turned around with it in a, in a sense. But like, um, and again, like I said, the puppet work and everything, I have no problems with. I do think Falcor is showing age for sure. Um, the shots where it's just his head and like all of that, I, I can see the strings there now, and that's just kind of what takes me out of it. Um, but also Atreyu, <laughs> the actor that plays Atreyu is not very good, but he yells almost all of his dialogue. And I really like, that would be my ugly is I, I can't stand that Atreyu yells half of his dialogue in this movie. <laughs> like even when he's talking to the, when he's talking to the wolf and when he's talking to the, the turtle, like he's just yelling back and forth and it kind of grated on me a bit. And I don't know why I'm defending Atreyu here, but he's like so sick of these riddles like everywhere he goes everyone's speaking riddles to him he's like just tell me what to do just tell me what to do <laughs> no you have a good point for sure but yeah those those would be my thing with that will come another thing that i will say um here's my hot take hot take hot take hot take, hot take. i love how you just look at me oh you gotta uh, like people, this is gonna be a fight. Yeah, people, if you could see this right now, he literally turns and looks directly at his wife. I think this movie would benefit from a remake. I let me let me tell you what, what I think here. Okay, I'm not saying like I think we should go the route like we've gone with it and like Stranger Things and all of that. You can remake this movie and still set it in the same time. Because there's a lot about this movie that wouldn't play if you set it in modern times yeah. and made a modern version of this movie. But if you remade this movie with the fact with with the the thought in mind that you're keeping it in that time period in the eighties and yeah. improved the effects and kept some of the good puppet work and all of that, like I think you could really regenerate this movie in a good way. Yeah. Practical effects, not CGI. Well, <laughs> Yeah, like you say, I mean, when you say remake this movie in this era, it makes me think of something like A Wrinkle in Time is what you'd end up with. Um, yeah. Like you say, a CGI mess. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know that the period matters either. I mean, he's in a he's in a he's reading a book in his school the whole time. You don't really get a whole lot of 80s stuff there. But I mean, true. But in a sense, like if you're looking for a kid who's not at home, you've got cell phones that can solve that problem nowadays. That's true. You know, there, there's there's things about like technology. lost children is a much bigger deal. <laughs> right. You know, people are keeping track <laughs> yeah, a mean, little better. I mean, when we were kids, we could go play it. The rule was be home before the streetlights come on. Yeah, you know, that's all you had. But nowadays, a kid doesn't answer a text message or a phone call within 20 minutes. The parents are, you know, there's an all points bulletin put out hey where's my kid because they're connected yeah. all the time it's scary but back then but no parents didn't worry about it it's just when you didn't come home after the lights then they got a little worried i think you remake this you lose the charm mm, i think if you had the right director and someone didn't ch like chew the story apart you could have a decent remake of this they're movie. just gonna hollywood it and you could do a it's uh, gonna be shit. How about this? You could do a full trilogy and tell the entire book. There you go. That that could also be an option. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like if you had the right people behind it and how we we were very skeptical about it being remade because we had this attachment to it as kids. Um, I think you could if you had the right people attached to it, you could totally make that happen with this movie. Sure. Just my opinion. Sure. Why not? Oh, sorry. 
But that will do it for our discussion of the never-ending story. I hope we all had a good time. I, in the end, had a good time revisiting this. I know Jenny enjoyed it. I had a blast. So, um, definitely a movie I would suggest that you at least rent, if not have it in your collection. It's one of those that you just... Even though I have problems with it, the story overall is worth making the effort to have this as a part of your movie collection. Exactly. It's totally kind of like, you know, it's it's a wonderful life, basically. If you need to feel cheered up and positive and hopeful, mm-hmm. if you need a little, you know, oomph, just watch this movie. Yeah. You'll have it by the end. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for our conversation about Never Ending Story. We still don't have a schedule, so we're going to refer again to Wheel of Movies. movies. We did not movies. rehearse that. I oh, didn't know sorry. That was we did not. Okay, so I just wanted to let everybody know that I do actually have a wheel that you can physically see now with we can. a list of movies on it. We can. So you get a little glimpse of what we're looking at here. Uh, namely a couple that we got on there is the Transformers movie, Dirty Dancing, Stand By Me, all that kind of stuff. But there's a bunch on here. So we're going to spin the wheel and see what movie we're watching next week. Here we go. Here we go, people. Yes! (laughs) Yes! (laughs) And that movie is Paul Verhoeven's Robocop. Robocop. (laughs) I'll buy that for a dollar. I love Robocop. I've been itching to watch my Arrow um, oh, special boy. edition Blu-ray of this one. Is, is it 4K? Name <laughs> dropper. It's not 4K. Oh, geez. But, okay, next week, RoboCop. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the VHS Files podcast. We will be back next week to talk another movie with you. Until then, be kind. Rewind! Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> Get the fuck out! That didn't go as bad as I thought it was going to. (laughs) You've been listening to the VHS Files podcast. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and drop us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcast. It was fun. (laughs) Send your questions, comments, and movie suggestions to vhsfilespodcast at gmail.com. Don't you blame the movies? Follow us on all social media outlets at VHS Files Podcast. Movies don't create psychos. Check out our YouTube channel for more content. Movies make psychos more creative. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Take a look. It's in a book. It's reading Rainbow. Do we just start over? No. <laughs> no, not doing it. We're good. We'll we'll fix it in post. It's gotta I, hey, like in Will of Fortune. I don't, it's okay. gotta make one. Shut up! Josh. Holy shit, brah. If I could slap you through this. It spins on its own. I don't control the speed of it. Just spin it faster, okay? But when you laugh, you go, huh. <laughs> <laughs> What's in the case from Wakanda? What are you thinking it is? They had to put fake teeth in because, you know, they didn't want her to like... Bat kitty. Oh, that. Because, you know, they didn't want her to like... I am the... I'm the empress. Movie. Movie moments. In my head movies. 
Hold on, I got to get back to it. He uh, offers the tagline, we say yeah. yes, and then he doesn't have it. <laughs> yeah. Jenny, if, if can I signal you to slap Josh whenever I feel appropriate? You don't have to explain yourself. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> what? You drink a tequila straight? Yeah, bud. Holy. I'm, a, I'm all that is man. <gasps> Only a real man can <gasps> swallow. <laughs>